It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Hey guys, John Barchard here. You guys know how much I love to play fantasy football. So I need you to listen up because I want you to join the highest rated fantasy football app. It's called Draft. You get to play in a real live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes. And they last just for one week. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join right now for week 11. And the best part is you get to play for cold, hard cash. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites, on all the DFS sites. Because you're always trying to figure out, okay, where should I start this guy the value and I don't have enough money to do all that stuff. It doesn't happen on draft. You get a selection of every premium player. You just got to be the smartest one in the room. It's a six-player snake draft, so you get in, you get out. Tournaments start from $1 to $1,000 to everything in between. Three-person drafts, six-person drafts, on and on. The options are limitless. And all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to use is promo code BGNR. That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using promo code BGNR. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that they are offering BGN Radio listeners a money back guarantee up to $100. No excuses now. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code BGNR. You're listening to BGN Radio. There is a timeout on the field with the score. Listen to this. We are not drunk. (laughs) This is accurate. The Eagles 34, the Cowboys 3. All right, it's Dallas week here in Philadelphia, and we will be breaking down the game for you right here on BGN Radio Episode 277, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Lee Galton. What's up, BLG? I'm back. The Eagles are back. The bye week is over. And Vince Quinn, it is the week that matters most every year on the Eagles schedule. One of the two 
it is Cowboys week. Yeah, man. And and this year is so much fun because it almost doesn't feel like a rivalry. Like go, like going into these games typically even when you've got a team that you feel like is the better team, and there's been many years where you think the Eagles are better than Dallas, but you'd look around the division and be like, oh, well, you never know. The Skins could win or the, the Giants could win. And, like, the team is just so clicking right now on every level. that I, I see Dallas, and I respect Dallas. I think they're a decent team, but it just doesn't feel like they're on the same level, you know? It feels great, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> to, to have last year happen and kind of just over they overachieved last year they're a good team for sure but I think you know they also overachieved a little bit they were on pace to kind of take a step back this year before the Zeke suspension it's just uh you know they're 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 not they weren't going to win 13 games again I think we all pretty much knew that that's that's the the top of the top right there and you know to to watch this game how they lost to the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday I couldn't wait for the final moment when Ezekiel Elliott, who is now out for the whole six games because he dropped his appeal. Yeah, that's uh, big. I couldn't. It's big. I couldn't wait for him to be out because I wanted to see how Dak Prescott performed. And now, you know, everyone's saying, you know, he didn't have Tyron Smith, and he, you know, Des Bryant's banged up, and obviously Zeke wasn't there, and there was a bunch of things going wrong, and that's all true. And you know, I'm not trying to say that's not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that entirely, but at the same time. You look at Carson Wentz and what the Eagles are facing, they're missing a lot of the key players at the same spots, which is really funny and, and such a coincidence. Yeah. Yet they're 8-1. and Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it, what's the problem for Dallas right now? Well, Sean Lee is out, and your left tackle is out, and Tyron Smith, and for the Eagles, it's like, oh, well, who they lose two weeks ago? You lost Jason Peters and you lost Jordan Hicks. I, I didn't even thought about that. But, yeah, like, the, these teams match up – in so many interesting ways, and that's kind of the fun of this Dallas rivalry. As much as it feels like the Eagles are a better team, this it's more of instead of the two games in this season, it feels like a a 30-game series, right? Like, we're going to have Prescott and Wentz playing against each other for so long, and, and to have it that quarterback in the second year, um, playoff aspirations for both teams, like it, it just matches up in a fun way. And for Dallas, like you talked about the Falcons game, and my God, what a disaster for them! Uh, the big, <laughs> the big thing that I took, like, obviously Chaz Green. Holy crap, he was awful, didn't that? You know, not good. Speaking of parallels, did that not look and feel like the Winston Justice game? Yeah, I, I think uh, I saw Mike Florio really talking about that and comparing it just to that, and. And, you know, honestly, we can kind of see that again this week. I mean, you look at this Eagles defensive line, and they're better than the Falcons. Adrian Claiborne <laughs> yeah. is not, you know, he's not one of the league's premier pass rushers. And he's not a bad player, but he's not some, oh, my gosh, we have to block this guy every week kind of guy. And the Falcons' pass rush as a whole wasn't even that great. So for the, for the Falcons to go in there like that and just destroy that Cowboys offensive line, I can only imagine what this Eagles defensive line is going to do to a Cowboys offensive line that's kind of overrated, to be honest. Well, yeah, and, and one of the things is they've gone through some changes. You know, you have a new right tackle, you've got a new left guard in there, Tyron Smith hasn't been healthy, and he's an all-pro caliber player. So when you go through those changes, and that's the foundation of everything that you're doing, it's naturally going to have an effect on how you play offense. And so 
it, it was fascinating because for certain teams like Aaron Rodgers, you know, he, he loses linemen all the time. I, I can't pin a number on it or a percentage, but if you just considered the number of Green Bay Packers linemen that have had significant injuries over Aaron Rodgers' career, like it's astronomical. And it doesn't affect them really. But for Dallas, they're so built on the run game and balance and being able to to just run through people that Man, the, the shift is dramatic, and so let's let's take it a little deeper with this Falcons game because one of the first things that I noticed watching it, it's really in the first couple of plays you saw really dramatic changes from what Dallas was doing. One of them was a three tight end set, which you don't see a lot from Dallas. Frankly, they don't need it because Zeke is that good, but they had a three tight end set on the first drive, and they also did five men wide, no one in the backfield, which is another, like, if Zeke's in the game or available to be in the game, you're not going to see that formation. Like, they just, uh, in that game, at least to me, and, and you could tell me what you thought, like, I, I saw a lot of bumps and bruises and, and growing pains. This felt like a week one team to me, not a week, you know, 10, week 11 team. It definitely didn't feel like a well-coached game, which, hey, surprise. I don't. I mean, I don't think Jason <laughs> Garrett is really that good of a coach. I mean, maybe uh, it's not even fair for me to say that because I still don't know what he does other than clap on the sideline. Well, that's he the thing. He doesn't do anything. He's not good. He, he doesn't pick the players. Last year when the Eagles were playing in that Week 17 game, he basically said, oh, that's Jerry Jones' decision, and he doesn't call the plays. So what does he do? Anyway, uh, getting back to the game itself, it just seemed like, you know, Taz Green was getting beat over and over, and I guess they put Byron Bell in there, but it's not like they were scheming around that that Falcons pass rush entirely. Uh, so it just didn't seem like the best coached game. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. What what much can you do when you lose a player like Ezekiel Elliott? I think the Cowboys tried to come out and run the ball. They even had some success with that in the third quarter. The problem is they're down. You can't run the ball and have it be your bread and butter like that when you're trailing. And that's the Cowboys at their best. They're at their best when they can run the ball. That's why they have Zeke. And from there, it sets up Dak Prescott with the play action. It allows him to not have to throw the ball as much in the game and drop back. Uh, And then it it hides the defense. Their defense isn't that good. And when you have a, a running back like Ezekiel Elliott who can control the clock, your defense doesn't have to play as much. So it's always coming down to that running game for Dallas. And when it's not there, they're just a different team. Yeah, they're a completely different team. And one of the biggest impacts you saw when Zeke wasn't in the game was that they weren't getting easy yardage on first down. Like, Zeke is a machine when it comes to – and the offensive line as well when they're healthy. It's like a guaranteed four or five yards on first down. And for Dak Prescott and the kind of quarterback he is, it just makes things infinitely easier on him. Because you're talking about all the things that they mask when it comes or make it easier for Dak Prescott. Well, the other thing is he doesn't have a great arm. I, I think he, if he has to, he can occasionally get it down the field, but he doesn't have that typical arm strength that you want in an NFL quarterback. And so for Prescott, when he can't really force the ball down the field either, you know, in that in that Atlanta game, the number of plays that went more than like. 15 yards in the air, I would I would say he's basically none, and they were getting destroyed in that game. Uh, ultimately lost 27-7, to So, and their only touchdown was in the first quarter. <laughs> so they're behind basically the whole game. On a short field, too, because of the interception. Well, yeah, right? It, that's true. It was a short field. So when they have all of these things, like there's so many problems with this offense right now, 
and Dak Prescott, as good of a quarterback as he is, and maybe he becomes a guy that can do it, he's not a guy right now that can carry a team. And I just think it's a gigantic problem for Dallas, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. That's my whole thing with Dak Prescott, too. I am probably among the harshest people on Dak on this whole podcast network of all our hosts and, and people here. I know my, my good friend Matt Daring. That's at OL home on Twitter. You know, we're, we're not Dak guys at all. I, and it comes down to that, Vince. I think you look at how these two teams are dealing with injuries, as I said earlier. I think a big difference in that is the quarterback position being to, able to elevate the rest of the team in spite of bad circumstances. And that's what Carson Wentz can do. And I don't think Dak Prescott is that player. And that doesn't mean Dak Prescott is the worst player ever. But I, I think this is what we're seeing out of him in a situation where circumstances aren't ideal he's not the guy who's going to step up and make everything better and erase some of those flaws and that's what you really need in the top quarterbacks in the league and there was some discussion on twitter that i saw last week that was like hey is there even any other quarterback in the nfl you would take outside of dak other than like brady and rogers and, <laughs> what and those... really yeah i saw that that's so and i was like are you kidding me and especially in that circumstance, that's exactly why I wouldn't, because he doesn't elevate the team. And, and to your point, Vince, about the deep passing game there, uh, according to NFL Matchup ESPN, they had a graphic today about the most throws over 20 yards down the field. And only two quarterbacks have fewer than or fewer 20-yard attempts down the field. That's Joe Flacco and C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard oh has played four fewer games than Dak Prescott has, so that's definitely a concern. Yeah, and, and for Joe Flacco, I mean, the, the Baltimore offense has just been terrible, and his like the few weapons that he had were injured a lot, so to be on that level really tells you something. And for Dak, the way I think the best way to describe him is he is a, he's a poor man's Russell Wilson, which isn't, like for me, I'm a Dak fan, but it is time and place and circumstance, right? Alex Smith is the same kind of guy. Like, Alex Smith had all these games or all these years where he didn't necessarily have, like, he might have had good players, but he didn't really have explosive players like Michael Crabtree in San Francisco and Vernon Davis. They're good players, but they weren't like, oh my God, uh, Tyreek Hill level players. And you see what happens when he gets Tyreek Hill, when he gets Kareem Hunt, when he gets Travis Kelsey, and, and now they work. So for Dak, he's kind of the same guy. He's just got to be in those situations. And when you don't have the running game to protect him, uh, yeah, it's just not the same. And really, you can see it uh, in the impact from his stats as a whole over the course of the season because the way teams have been dealing with him is, and Dallas as a whole has been really aggressive, right? Like early in the season, there was – who was it? It was Maybe it was Denver or Arizona. Maybe not Arizona. It was probably Denver. But one team held Zeke to – do you remember this? Nine carries for eight yards? Like uh... – yeah, I think that was Denver. I, yeah, I, I can't remember who. It might have been Denver. But, like, so teams have been super aggressive with Dallas in terms of loading up the box and forcing them to to just outright win gritty, nasty running battles and putting it on Dak. And so as that dynamic has changed in the way the teams have played Dallas, uh, Dak's stats have gone down basically all across the board. His completion percentage is down by almost four points. He went from almost 68% to about 63%. Um, his interceptions have gone up. He's got four right now. He had four all of last season. His yards per attempt is down by an entire yard. Like The offense is just not opened up 
as much as it was with Zeke on the field. And for Dallas, and, and like for the Eagles, I guess especially, this is a good situation to be in to play them in this second game because you have tape on Dak now with this you know tailored offense minus Zeke. So you know what kind of plays they're trying to run, at least in a loose sense, what kind of formations they'll be throwing at you. And from there, uh, it's not enough games that they've figured it out yet because they clearly haven't. So you don't have to worry about a team that's kind of been reborn. They're, they're in the process of that. So for the Eagles, this feels like such a good time to play Dallas about as good as any. Yeah, and I, one thing about Dak, too, is that I don't really think he looked particularly great last year against the Eagles. I mean, he only played like a drive or so in that final game. But the first game, the one that actually mattered earlier in the season, that was not a good game for him. And I was not very impressed. I guess that was my real first time watching him in a full game. I'd seen some of the other games, but in the, in the context of playing the Eagles, I was not really impressed with him in that game at all. Uh, I, I think one thing about Dak that does concern me and that does concern me about this matchup as a whole, because honestly, when I look at this matchup, I don't want to be the guy who's coming in here and saying and being Mr. Mr. Cocky and be like, oh, yeah, there's no way the Cowboys can beat the Eagles. But when I look at it, I don't really see the matchups on paper where I'm supposed to fear the Cowboys at this point, especially with the injuries and, and Zeke being suspended. But one of the things that does concern me is Dak Prescott's mobility, because you heard Jim Schwartz say it this week. He said he literally said that Dak Prescott is the best quarterback he's ever seen, ever, throwing yeah. on the run. And it's not even so much throwing to me. It's just his ability to keep defenses honest on the play action. You see how that, can, that, that itself can open up some of the stuff in the running game or at least allow him to run in for a touchdown. That's how the Cowboys scored against the Falcons. He had a really nice play. I, I saw you broke that down there on Twitter, uh, Vince Quinn where he kind of just rolls out and he can just take it himself. That's one thing where it's really hard to cover him. And that's one thing about Dak that I definitely uh, do give him credit for and I am concerned. But as a whole, again, I just look at this whole matchup on paper and I, I just don't see where we're supposed to be like, wow, that matchup right there, that's one the Eagles really have to be concerned about. Well, yeah, and, and keeping it on the offensive side of the ball here, it's so interesting because... All right, even if Dak plays a good game and he's not turning the ball over a lot um, and, and he's getting yardage on the ground, like you look at the weapons around him and those guys really aren't doing anything. Des Bryant is on pace for under 1,000 yards, maybe seven or eight touchdowns. It could be statistically one of his worst years that he's had since his second year in the league. Uh, not, not a great year from Des. Cole Beasley has 24 catches for 188 yards at this point in the year. He's got four touchdowns, but two of them came just like a week ago. So it's not like he's consistently been a weapon. And for the Eagles, too, like, who's been the killer? It's been Cole Beasley, right? Like, these last couple of years, Cole Beasley versus Jenkins in the slot and the problems that he's caused, it, it doesn't seem like he's that guy right now. So the offense hasn't figured out how to use him. Dez isn't dominating, so you don't have to worry about really double-teaming him and shutting him down. It's like you can really dictate to Dallas what you want them to do, and then you're and it's going to be basically what everyone else has done. You're just going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on the early downs and make Dak throw it long and and force him to win the game that way. And yeah, I'm with you. I just uh, at least offensively. Uh, well, we'll get to defensively. I mean, there's plenty of reasons for it, too. But offensively, I, I don't see anything that's really impressive about them that I fear. 
about them, and it just comes down to playing disciplined football. That's about it. The most noteworthy thing Cole Beasley has done this season is get in a Twitter fight with WIP's own Howard Eskin. <laughs> yes, it was so <laughs> that's, good. That's the most attention he's gotten all year. Well, give us can uh, you give us the breakdown on that for, for anyone who missed it? Because I, I got a glimpse of it, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so that was, I guess it was on, it was either late on Sunday after the Cowboys lost or early on Monday where Howard Eskin had kind of just tweeted out that, oh, look, Dak Prescott lost when he didn't have Zeke. And he went on a whole 280-character tweet about it. And, <laughs> and Cole Beasley just tweets back at him, like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Uh, Dak is that dude. And then, sure enough, Howard and him have a little bit more back and forth there. But uh, kind of just, I think that's, you know, like it's, it's Twitter. It's kind of who cares. But at the same time, to me, that shows a little bit of thin skin. And to me, why are you responding to Howard Eskin? This isn't like another player called out Dak. If that happened, yeah, I mean, you got to go to bat for your quarterback, but it's Howard Eskin. Like, you know, like, why, why do you care? And one more thing I want to get into about Cole Beasley from the football perspective. Vince, that's a great point about how he's been the guy who he's given the Eagles some, you know, trouble in past years. I think when it comes to Malcolm Jenkins, that's not that's never been a good matchup for Malcolm Jenkins because he's better at covering a Jordan Reed or some of these or Larry Fitzgerald, some of these bigger slot type guys, and Cole Beasley is smaller and shiftier. But guess what? The Eagles have Patrick Robinson now, and he's actually been playing really well this year. So I feel good about that matchup in the slot, Patrick Robinson being able to handle him and a big reason why you're going to be able to play Patrick Robinson in the slot even more is that Ronald Darby is back. And how nice is that? What what a great week to get Ronald Darby back, isn't it? Against the Cowboys, like on the road. It's gonna be so much fun. Darby is such a like I think we almost forget because he he, he played so not often for this team. They only required him in August and we don't have a really good feel. I think a lot of people don't have a good feel of what he brings, but this guy is good, man. John and I were watching him all of training camp when he did practice. He was good every single day. And then in the preseason, I know he kind of had that game against the Dolphins that wasn't so great. I thought that was kind of more circumstantial. Devontae Parker makes a really good catch like that. Just he, It was just a jump ball catch. And one of the things about Ronald Darby is he's not the biggest guy. So that kind of hurts him there. But Ronald Darby, one thing that he does bring to this defense that has been lacking is that he's fast. Jalen Mills and Razul Douglas, I think, have done a nice job of filling in. Patrick Robinson, too. But none of those guys are as fast and especially as fast as Ronald Darby is. So to bring him in and have that guy who can cover number one wide receivers and have that speed, we saw it in week one where Eagles were blitzing Washington a lot. And maybe part of that was because they trusted Ronald Darby to be able to cover the other team's number one receiver like that. Now you have Darby back. You're putting him on the Cowboys' number one receiver, and you're putting Jalen Mills on the number two receiver, which should help him even more. Overall, as a whole, getting Darby back just helps this defense a lot. Yeah, they're getting stronger just as Dallas gets weaker. And for the Eagles, like the main thing that you would worry about is Dallas establishing the run game, so that's already out the window. And now when it's, when it's going to be, the Dez is very likely locked down because – even though they're throwing him the ball a little bit more, he, he just doesn't feel as dangerous. And really, if you look at the stats, just based on like injuries and all these different things, he hasn't had a great season in three years. So I, I feel so confident about it on that side of the ball. And 
defensively, otherwise, like because we've already talked about Dak, uh, you don't really worry about the running game because whether it's Alfred Morris or McFadden or Rod Smith, who they gave a lot of run last week, they're just not dynamic players. Uh, Beasley, we've already established that he's a non-factor this year and probably gets shut down by Robinson. And then otherwise, you're looking at Jason Witten, who has just as many catches as Dez this year. And, I mean, when it comes to the Nigel Bradham versus Jason Witten discussion, I'm going Bradham. So I just, yeah, like offensively, unless Jason Garrett coaches the greatest game of his career, all of the sudden he just becomes a good coach and does masterful things with the ball, like misdirection and doing all sorts of things to get Dak out in open field. Unless he's doing that kind of stuff, I just think unless Dallas's defense plays a miraculous game, there's no way that this is going to be a close one. I think you're exactly right with that. I think this is a game where if the Eagles lose this game, it has to be something weird. They have to come out flat. There has to be some kind of I mean, Carson Wentz would have to be totally uncharacteristic of how he's played this season and somehow throw four interceptions or something crazy like that. I just don't see a reasonable way in how this Eagles team loses. Now, it's a division game, so that kind of I think what that does, especially with the Eagles here, is it limits some of Doug Peterson's effectiveness in a way because I think Doug Peterson, what he's done a good, a great job at this season is being creative with the play calling and mixing things up. And I think there's only so much you can do of that against a division rival. Zacherts was talking about that in the locker room this week. He had mentioned, you know, these, these when you play a division opponent, and we've heard it before, you have a good understanding of what the other team is going to do and they know what you're going to do. A lot of it comes down to Chip Kelly's favorite word, which is execution. But it's true. I mean, there's, there's, it's going to be uh, a game where it comes down to something like that. I think for the most part, unless there's just some big wrench thrown into something where <laughs> Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, as you said, there, Vince has some kind of an- uncharacteristically uh, amazing play calling game, and everything just seems to be clicking for the Cowboys. Uh, but to me, I, I just don't see it. And I don't think that's me being cocky. I don't think that's me overlooking things. I'm I'm trying hard to look at this matchup and, and find the thing that I should be concerned about or find or think about how the Eagles could lose this game. And it's the NFL. Anything's possible, of course. I just don't see the thing again where I see, all right, I look at that thing and I'm like, all right, that could cause the Eagles to lose. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, you know in Space Jam when they get all the power sapped out of them. Like that's that's sort of what Dallas is dealing with because when you when you lose Zeke, it entirely changes the identity. The way they're playing every single down is different. The formations are different. You're using more players than you typically do. Like a fullback is on the field a good amount for them. Your third string tight end is on the field more than he was before. So when you have to go through all those changes, it's also that the players aren't as comfortable. You don't have the identity established. There's no bread and butter plays. Like All of those things are totally thrown out of whack. And for Dallas to go and play the best team in the NFL right now, a team that really doesn't make mistakes, that's a huge problem for them. And going to the defensive side of the ball, for Dallas, like... They don't have playmakers in the secondary. I like Byron Jones. I think he's a good player, and he's the best they've got when it comes to the secondary. But, man, uh, he's not changing the game in any kind of way. And I believe they're one of the worst teams, you know, bottom 10 in the league when it comes to turnovers, So, for or at least to interceptions. So for a team like that, 
I don't know. I don't know what you do defensively either. Like Demarcus Lawrence, who he's great, and maybe that's what it comes down to. It, it might just have to be that Demarcus Lawrence has an All-Pro kind of day. I think that's what I'm looking at too. That's that is the biggest thing that would concern me. But when you just look at how well Lane Johnson has played, it, I have complete confidence that he can shut him down or at least keep him pretty quiet. And even if he can't, I mean, you look at how the Eagles dealt with Von Miller. He did nothing of significance against the Eagles in that game. He had his strip sack late in the game when Nick Foles was in. The way the Eagles handled Von Miller wasn't just as simple as putting Lane Johnson on him and saying, all right, Lane, block him the whole game. It was getting creative. It was finding ways to scheme Von Miller out of that game. And I think the Eagles' success there will help them and it's shown me that they can do things like that. Doug Peterson has the capability of kind of phasing a player out like that. And and really, when Von or sorry, when Demarcus Lawrence is one of your main concerns, and there's not a lot of other guys on that defense who can do a lot. I know David Irving can defend the run and rush the passer, but it's just not the same level. And especially without Sean Lee there, that's the biggest thing to me. I mean, when Sean Lee isn't playing for that defense. It's a different defense. You look at the numbers with him and without him, it's not even close. He's such a good run stopper in there in terms of things that aren't even affected by his physical ability. Just knowing the, he seems to have a really good feel for knowing what the offense is going to run. He can diagnose the offense. He's the quarterback of their defense. So for him to be out, uh, not only this week, but multiple weeks, that's a huge, huge loss for them. I mean, I'm looking at their injury report here. From Wednesday's practice, uh, you know, it's 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 Tyron Smith who is it sounds it doesn't sound very optimistic that he's going to play. He's not definitively ruled out, but he missed Sunday's game. He could be out again. Des Bryant, I would think he tries to play again, but it seems like he's going to be less than 100 percent. Sean Lee has a hamstring injury. He's expected to be out for a couple weeks here. Then you mentioned the secondary, Vince. Jeff Heath has a concussion and he's going through the concussion protocol. So they could be without another starter. And if he's out, they're going to have to start safety, rookie safety, Xavier Woods. So they're dealing with a lot of issues there. And I, that's not even getting the special teams. When uh, Dan Bailey, their best kicker, is out, and we saw last week in that Falcons game, Mike Nugent comes in, he misses a 38-yard field goal. So even this becomes some kind of close game, I mean, that right there alone can kind of screw the Cowboys over. Well, yeah, and it's the weirdest thing because Dan Bailey is apparently the most accurate kicker in the history of football. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Really? Dan Bailey? Like, no one's ever talked about that guy. I don't know if he's made Pro Bowls, maybe. Like, how many how many kickers make the Pro Bowl and who cares? But it, it's it's a totally innocuous thing. But it is so important to winning football games. And when you don't have a kicker that you can rely on, it, it really is everything out of whack for Dallas. You don't have your guy that's making your main play calls on the defensive side of the ball. You don't have your star running back that everything's based off of. You might not have your star all-pro left tackle. Like, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. And so the, the coordination factor, and especially with Jeff Heath, too, because if he is out, which it does seem likely he's got a concussion, um, if that happens you're going to have miscommunications issues because you've got one guy calling plays, and then on the back half, usually there's a safety that helps direct things and make sure the corners are comfortable. And so you would expect a missed assignment here or there or the Eagles aggressively attacking matchups with the safety where he has to make choices on who to cover. And there's just so much opportunity here. It's 
it's really crazy all of the different ways that you can imagine the Eagles doing work against the Cowboys because offensively, the Eagles can run the ball. And now, in the same way that Dallas just lost Zeke and they don't have him for these six games, well, you've got Ajayi coming off of the bye. So he's already played a game, so he's got a couple of snaps. Now he gets more time to be familiar with the team, watch a lot of film, know the terminology, and so his game two is is really like a game three or a game four, and so the effort and the workload that you're going to get out of him should be even better, and it's just like all of these things just keep building up and building up and building up, and, and for Dallas, it's like... It's just so weird to be in this situation and be like, "Yeah, Dallas probably doesn't have a shot," but I I can't get away from it. There's no way these guys have a shot. And wouldn't it be great? I mean, obviously, it it will be great if this Eagles team wins a win here. The division's over. I mean, I think it's arguably already over. Given this way, even if the the Cowboys somehow find a way to win this one, they're still without Zeke for four more weeks after this game, and they're in bad shape. Washington has a tough schedule here. They have to play the Saints in New Orleans this week, so it's not like they're going to come back rising up all of a sudden. And then the Giants, I mean, do we do we even need <laughs> to, to discuss them? I mean, they lost to the winless 49ers. Oh, man, great times in New York. Uh, I, don't you have a thing you want to say on that, Vince, there? Well, with the Giants? I mean, man, yeah, McAdoo was so screwed. And it's amazing Uh, to have the point where the owners are talking about it and stuff like he's so clearly fired after this season and they're just they're just wasting time, really. I mean, for the sake like think of the players and the fact that they hate this guy and the team's losing to to let that environment fester when you're not winning any games and no one has respect for him and he doesn't have a winning track record that you can lean on really outside of one season. It's just like what a disaster it is. Uh, and and for the Cowboys, like that helps them a little bit because you're probably going to get a free win off of the Giants later. Yeah. But I mean, man, they they are just a, a complete shit show, and it's going to be so fun to see McAdoo get fired. I can't. And thank wait. thank God the Eagles didn't hire that guy, man, because uh, yeah. they wanted to. That was real. Like that. Yeah. That wasn't just like a report. They they really had a a gift basket and everything waiting to go for that guy. So when it comes to NFC it's coaches. Somehow the Eagles lucked out. I think they, they have the best coach in the NFC East, right? I mean, uh, this year being this year colors things. Of course, the Eagles are 8-1. and one. You're going to say they have the best coach this year. But when it comes down to who you feel best about, I mean, I think Jay Gruden is kind of just whatever, like fine. I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's necessarily great. Mm-hmm. And Jason Garrett we talked about earlier, I don't know what he does. Ben McAdoo is ter- just awful. He's terrible. And then you have Doug. So look at where the Eagles are. Well, yeah, and maybe like Roseman's done everything so well that I just want to dive into a deep conspiracy theory that let's say Howie Roseman knew that McAdoo sucked (laughs) and flirted with him to a heavy, heavy amount to get the Giants to hire him as their head coach. And he's like, oh, yeah, no one's going after Doug Peterson. That's my guy. I'm just going to give Howie the credit because why not? But. I mean, that's uh, who knows. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think there's crazier things. Two other quick things I did want to touch on, Vince, as far as that don't really relate to the game a ton, but did happen in the Eagles news this week mm-hmm. are the Eagles signed two players, two veteran players. And speaking of the Giants, a former Giant himself, and Will Beatty at offensive tackle. 
And then you have Daniel Ellerby coming in at linebacker, who I think might actually, and which is funny because they actually signed him during that Cowboys game. I thought that was kind of weird. Obviously trying to steal the thunder. Uh, I think Ellerby comes in here and he maybe he plays this week. I don't think he plays a lot. It sounds like Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz had mentioned, you know, still needs to kind of get acclimated to game speed again. He's been out of the league for, since the summer now. Uh, I think it's an interesting situation where you're bringing in some of these new guys. They they traded for Jay Ajayi. They brought in Ellerby, who could potentially get some playing time at linebacker with Hicks out. And then Beattie, that's a guy who, <laughs> we're, let's be honest here, we're hoping that guy never plays this season because we're hoping Big V and Lane Johnson hold up there. But I do think it's kind of interesting how you're adding these players late in the season, and it's not like you change your whole team uh, entirely, but it gives you a new little wrinkle in what you have there. Yeah, and it's a realistic assessment of the team and where you're at because for BD specifically, like you got rid of Taylor Hart, who was a converted defensive end from the Chip Kelly era, and you're tossing him out on the street. Honestly, if BD doesn't work out, you could probably release him and bring Hart right back. There's no demand, or you can get a player just as good as Hart for for nothing. So to get a guy who's a veteran, who has starting experience for a number of years in both of those guys, great moves, great, cheap, low-risk moves. They don't seem to be locker room problems, so you're not worrying about any of that kind of stuff. If, if you see Ellerby get a couple of snaps, I think that'd be wonderful, just a few. And if it gets into blowout territory, which it certainly could, then... He could certainly get a number of snaps at the end of the game. But, yeah, I, I love those moves by Roseman. I thought they were they were great, low-key, realistic evaluations of the depth you have and, and what you need to have to be a championship team. I think the Ellerbury thing is especially interesting because this is a guy who's good. He's not a, he's not a player who lacks talent. Uh, Ellerby is a very – when he was at his best, this is a guy who – he's not a superstar, but he, I talked to Saints fans – I talk to Ravens fans, I talk to Dolphins fans, kind of get uh, a perspective on this guy and what he brings to the Eagles. All of them have pretty positive things to say. Now, his fall is that he's had an injury history, which isn't great when you're asking him to replace another player who's been injured and Jordan Hicks. If he can stay healthy, though, I mean, that's, that's a big boost to this defense. One of the things everyone consistently had to say about Daniel Ellerby is that he can rush the passer, and that, to me, is... Awesome, because you have this defensive line that's already generating the most pressure in the NFL. And you have Michael Hendricks, who's a pretty good blitzing linebacker. And I don't think Nigel Bradham is bad at that either. He's a physical guy. So you have linebackers who can blitz now. You have a whole defensive line who can get pressure regularly. I just think it's a nice little extra piece for this team. And just the, the what it shows we all know the Eagles are 8-1 and one and they're pushing for a Super Bowl, but it's kind of just nice to see the team acknowledge that they're doing it too, and that's why they're making these signings. Instead of trying to stick with Joe Walker and say, hey, let's kind of just let him figure it out because we're, we're thinking about the long term, it's no, we need to win right now because this is a great opportunity. Let's get a veteran player in here and see what they can do instead. Yeah, and you're adding them to the best team in football. And for Dallas, who's they're five and four at this point, for them, 
coming off of that loss to Atlanta was so crazily important to them because they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're not going to get it from the division most likely. Even if they won this game, they're probably not going to win the division. So you're competing with Atlanta, who has the same record as Dallas right now, and now they've got the win in hand over the Cowboys. You've also got the Lions at 5-4, and four, the Packers at 5-4, and four, and that's not mentioning the six teams that are in the playoffs. So... Like, it, it's such a tough situation for them, and it's getting into desperation territory, even though they're above 500. So, to add these extra little wrinkles here and there, you feel good about the Eagles' chances here. And offensively, too, like last week, Zach Ertz, not in the game. Brent Selleck, just out of nowhere, turns into, East. right? Like, I love Brent Selleck. He's, he's one of my Same. all-time favorites. You give that ball, the guy the ball, any time of day, and he's going to truck someone. He's going to get, you know, 12 yards off of a BS screen. I just, I'm the world's That's biggest football, Brent Selleck man. fan, man. Yeah, so, so he's great. And when you've got a coach that can deal with things and adapt on the fly, uh, you see what Jason Garrett can't do, and it makes you feel even better about this game. Like, I'm trying to think... If I had to pick, because you know how you go into so many games and it's like, we need the X-Factor player, our player of the game, brought to you by FedEx, or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> like you, you get into all that kind of stuff, and I'm trying to think of a player offensively for the Eagles that's like, they need this guy to have a good game, or he's going to have a good game. And I, I can't even project, because I mean, it really could be anybody. Ertz, Alshon, Hollins, why not? Uh, Aguilar, it could be Blunt, it could be a Jai. Like, there's just a million players. Corey Clement had a show stealing game not too long ago. So, like, there, there's just a million options for me, and I I love the the opportunity to be surprised by who could come out this week and really just take the game by the throat. And I don't even know if you just mentioned there the team's number one wide receiver and and Alshon Jeffrey. That's how crazy. Uh, balance this team is in in terms of there's just so many guys they can go to whether that's in the the passing game with the receivers or the running backs you can hand off to that's a thing that I think makes this team hard to defend and hard to really game plan for because it's not like a situation where even though Zach Ertz is clearly the team's leading receiver so maybe if you're an opposing team you're like all right we want to take Zach Ertz away which is easier said than done by the way I mean Zach Ertz is a good player but even though uh, if that's the, the plan for another team to come in and be like, all right, we're going to stop Zach Ertz. Well, guess what? There's still Nelson Aguilar to deal with. There's still Ashawn Jeffrey on the outside who has been heating up here down the stretch, which is nice to see. Hopefully that continues. You do have the running game. I'm really excited to see what the J train can do this week. I think he showed nice flashes in a game where he had only been acquired three or four days prior. So that was really impressive. He's had the bye week now to kind of study up on that playbook and get everything going there. This Cowboys run defense without Sean Lee there in the middle, I think that's going to be a big vulnerability for them. I would love to see the Eagles come out early and run the ball right away down their throat, see if you can get it going. Because why not? If Sean Lee isn't going to be there, make them challenge them to stop you. And then from there, you can kind of have Carson Wentz do whatever you need him to do. I'm sure he'll be making some good throws. I'm sure he'll add to his MVP campaign on Sunday night. Uh, It is a great point by you, Vince, that there's just so many options on this Eagles offense. And 
really the fact that we're saying that now is ridiculous because last year it was the exact opposite. You couldn't find one person to throw to, <laughs> and now there's too many. It's kind of a, a funny role reversal there. Yeah, like you always hear about the NFL, how uh, teams flip and flop their way up the leaderboard every year, but to have your entire skill position, like all of the skill positions just flip the way that it has in a single season is really truly remarkable we've forgotten about Darren Sproles just forgotten him like a consistent Pro Bowl caliber player so it it's really good to be the Eagles right now and we will predict the score in just a minute as we go to the picks hit me it's time to ring the bell and place some bets hey I don't want your money punching my money here come our NFL picks here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money Which, by the way, is brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sunday. We actually did it just last Sunday. And uh, hopefully we get another event like that again. You can go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent. For the Delaware Lottery, you must be 21 to play. And so, BLG, our first pick. We're going to go with a team that's generated a little bit of controversy. This very day that we're recording the show, Wednesday... We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, who are getting four points from the Los Angeles Chargers, and they're going to Los Angeles. What are your thoughts? It's funny because I had seen some buzz about Sean McDermott being coach of the year a couple weeks ago. Not seeing that anymore. Not not seeing that. Uh, I don't think this Buffalo team is very good at this point. I mean, you're asking Nathan Peterman to make his first start on the road. I mean, I mean, it's in L.A., so is it really on the road? There's no home field advantage there. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is a game where I feel fine about the Chargers in this one. The, the tricky thing here, as I saw, Phillip Rivers was limited in practice, so I don't know what's totally going on there. I would probably just stay away from this game entirely, honestly. But since I can't do that on this podcast here and I have to pick, I'm going to go with the Chargers at home. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers, too. I think they're a better team than their record suggests. Buffalo... Going through the quarterback change, you also wonder not just how it's going to affect the offense and and everything that they do on the field, but you also wonder about the locker room. There's a lot of attachment to quarterbacks typically, and for Tyrod, a guy who, if I understand, he had pretty good yardage in the last game that he played, but um, it's just one of those things that management doesn't really seem to like him. And so when you're at this point, I I just wonder how the locker room is going to handle it. I don't think it's going to be handled well. And so I'm with you. Chargers uh, giving four at home. I'm all for that. Uh, Next game we got Kansas City is giving 10 points this week, and they're on the road against the New York Giants. What do you think? I mean, I think I would take the the Chiefs at minus 20 here. This Giants team is (laughs) lifeless. They're bad. The head coach is awful. There's just nothing to play for. Pride? Are you kidding me? There's no pride here. I don't see it with this Giants team at all. I, I we And here's the other thing. This is a Kansas City team that's coming off the bye. Andy Reid is we – are, we I don't even need to tell you that Andy Reid is good off the bye. We all know that. I am taking the Chiefs, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, 10 points definitely isn't enough. Oh, my God, the Giants are just terrible. And losing to San Francisco. They gave San Francisco the first one of the year. Like – this is a really 
incredibly bad. They're one and eight. Who would have ever thought that they would go to one and eight? It's just a miraculous dumpster fire that they've got. So yeah, Kansas City ten points. Couldn't bet fast enough on that one. Now the third game we've got here before we go to the Eagles pick, the Denver Broncos, the team that the Eagles knocked the crap out of for fifty-one points and lost again last week. They are favored by two and a half points against the Cincinnati Bengals. BLG, your thoughts? Gross. That's disgusting. This is a <laughs> this is an ugly game to pick, even. Uh, and I hate you for it, but uh, <laughs> just, as you should, uh, as I should. Um, Denver is. I, here's how I think of the Broncos. I think Brock Osweiler has to be the most uninspiring quarterback. In the NFL, am I right to say that? I mean, there, you could say there's worse. Maybe you could argue. I think he's the worst. You could maybe argue there's worse. I think he's undoubtedly the least inspiring quarterback that you have there. I cannot take the Denver Broncos at home. I don't feel great about the Bengals either. Look, I mean that team is not has a team is not good either. The Bengals have. I think they've shown some effort. Although you have Marv Lewis calling out the players, it's that's just such a mess. That game there is such a mess. I think Vince Joseph isn't that good of a coach, honestly. Osweiler is terrible. That defense is not playing well at all. I guess I'm taking the Bengals with the points because I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even want to stop. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm, I'm done talking about this game. All right. Well. <laughs> I'm going to give the Denver Broncos the win here. I think, uh, yeah, giving two and a half, I I think it's going to happen just because uh, that defense is just, they're not a bad defense. And for Cincinnati, for them being so limited offensively, like, I I just don't, I don't think they're going to be putting up a lot of points on Denver for Denver being at home. I'm thinking this is a field goal game. This is clearly a field goal game. This could be a nine to six just super crap fest. So must watch. Yeah, a, a must watch football. They got to flex that to Sunday night. So yeah, I mean a bad game, but Denver. I just I don't know. I have this weird love for Denver in a way, and I'm I'm going to go with them for the win. So uh, that's it for the unimportant teams. And now your Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Galton, are giving three and a half points on the road in Dallas. Your thoughts. I was on WIP earlier today with Angelo in the morning show, and they asked me for my score prediction. I hadn't even given it a lot of thought at the time. The first thing that came out of my mouth was Eagles 31, Cowboys 13. I think it could be closer than that because it's a division game. Things can happen. That's how always how I feel about, for the most part about division games. But we've been saying it all podcast long. I just don't see the matchup here where the Eagles really have to be concerned about I think some people might be afraid the Eagles are coming off their bye and they'll be sluggish. They'll talk about how the Eagles kind of got off to a slow start when they played Washington at home earlier this season coming off of that Thursday night game. Though They might point back to last year when the Eagles got off to a slow start against the Lions coming off their week four bye, which is ridiculous. I don't think that's the case here. I think this Eagles team knows how – they know this is an important game. You heard Carson Wentz say it. In his press conference on Wednesday, Wednesday, he said that, you know, we know this is a rivalry game. We are not overlooking this one. This is a big game. It is a big game. You you win this game. You win the division effectively. You pretty much render that Week 17 game useless. You have to look at it 
from that way if you're the players. You have to say, hey, if we win this game, we get a week off in Week 17. So I think the Eagles win this game, and I think they win it decisively. It's an easy call for me. Yeah, three and a half points is is not enough. Uh, I look at this, and it, the same way that you said thirty-one to was it thirty-one to thirteen, it popped into your right. head. Yeah, for me, uh, the first number that came up was thirty-three to ten. I just Dallas just doesn't have anything. They don't have any consistency with the stuff that they're running yet. The things that they do want to run, they don't they don't quite execute it in the way that they need to for it to be effective. So, given that and what the Eagles do offensively, defensively, they should be able to control this game start to finish if they come out and play well. I would imagine they do because they've just been so focused. They're coming off the bye. This is their game to to win and win by a ton. So, yeah, 33-10 is my score, and that's it for the preview show. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, for the Patreon subscribers as well, we got bonus content coming your way. We've got The Beast which will be out on uh, Friday or Thursday night, rather. We've got the fourth quarter, uh, as, as well as all our other shows. BGNFL will be out after Sunday. So uh, make sure you subscribe, if you haven't already, to us on Patreon for additional shows. But uh, pregame show is going to be live in the parking lot. That's going to be starting around 8 a.m., so make sure you find us there as well. BLG, thanks for joining me, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, and go to DocInTheHall.com, by the way. Uh, yes. Your, your campaign there, Vince. Don't want to forget about that. Yeah, how can I forget about that? We've started Most a campaign. Yeah, we started a campaign to get Brian Dawkins into the Hall of Fame, and you might be thinking, Vince, you're an idiot. Why are you doing that? He's going to get into the Hall of Fame anyway. Well, he might, but that anyway that you're suggesting could be 20 years from now, which is when Kenny Easley just got into the Hall of Fame. It was 20 years after he retired. So for Dawkins, he could wait a very long time as a safety, and we've started a campaign that, as BLG just mentioned, DawkinsInTheHall.com. Make sure you go. we got a change.org petition. Uh, we're going to try to get some interviews with people around the league, talk to Hall of Fame voters, all that kind of stuff, just to increase awareness about Dawkins' candidacy and really try to push him in. Uh, Trey Palomalu's coming up. We've got Ed Reed coming up soon. Uh, what John Lynch was up on yep. the ballot and has not gotten in. So there's a lot of competition that's going to start to pop up at the safety position. If Doc's going to get in, now is the time. So feel free to join us in that push. Dawkins in the hall.com. So with that, I am Vince Quinn with Brandon Lee Gouton. Thanks for listening to BGN Radio episode 277. We'll talk to you soon. Stretch your hand and I'm gonna chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce, Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green dinero. Hocus pocus, Gucci locus, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear Belial. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep dead. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stunting all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Just that fly shit, the type you never seen again. No meats, no leather, I'm just pimping a pin. We live that life that you're wishing against. More money, more power, more women and shit. It's me and I'm motherfucker. Who you think this is? Gia, Dallas streets cruising around about.